Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Kistler O'Brien podcast. I'm Tyler Trumbauer with Kistler O'Brien Fire Protection as it's the final episode of 2021. I can't believe it. December is here. Just a few more days left in this calendar year, and 2022 is on the horizon. And I want to thank all of you for coming along this journey with us here in 2021. And hope you can join us as we take the KOB podcast into 2022. We did this a few months ago. We celebrated our one-year anniversary where we look back at some of our favorite episodes that was personally staff chosen from the first year of the KOB podcast. Now, to wrap up the 2021 calendar year, we're going to look back at some of the most popular episodes based on viewers. That's right, listeners and viewers like yourself who did you enjoy listening to the most? That's who we're going to listen to again here for the final episode of this calendar, calendar year. So sit back, relax. Let's walk through some of the greatest episodes from this calendar year. And we look forward for more of these great episodes and these memories for next year's year in review as well. Let's take a look at some of the most popular episodes from 2021. What can customers, our current customers, or potential new customers throughout the greater Delaware Valley area expect as far as new changes that they can come accustomed to now that we have these offerings with this new division at the Westchester office? So uh, I'd like to say there's not going to be any change. Uh, and the reason I say that is because you're going to still get that same high level of experience uh, high quality of a technician um, that we've, you know, that Kistler O'Brien's been known for for years. Um, the benefit with this is, is you're going to have a dedicated group of individuals that are, are our main goal is to service the Delaware Valley area. Um, you know, and that includes South Jersey, that includes Delaware, that includes parts of Maryland. Um, that, that's our focus. Uh, you're also going to get individuals that are, are from that area. Um, and one of the benefits with that is uh, quicker response times to things that, that may be uh, in need of. Um, with opening up another uh, service division, you're gonna have more flexible scheduling. Um, so it, it's gonna help us be able to service the customer uh, quickly and, and more efficiently overall. Um, but uh, one of my goals is the, is the hope that there isn't a whole lot of noticeable change that it's kind of a smooth transition from uh, you know, one big sprinkler division to breaking it up into two different divisions. Um, so you know, obviously with this, I, I do want to see us get better, um, not just the Delaware Valley, but the Lehigh Valley included. Uh, and I think this is a really good starting point for that. And I think we can build on this and uh, become uh, better than ever. Certainly. And, and I think maybe just to pivot a bit on my previous question to try to figure out how exactly if you reach your goal of there being no noticeable difference, just, you know, enhancements, if you will, as you outlined with better service times and, and more locally sourced operations um, down in the Delaware Valley, the sprinkler department we have now, we've lauded it thus far. How are they helping with that transition? Because you're like you said, you're breaking into two from one huge department based out of Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. What kind of transition is that like 
both internally and then externally for the customers that say we're in Maryland or South Jersey that were sprinkler customers of Kistler O'Brien already. Now they're going to be serviced out of the hub in Westchester, but still part of that. How does all of that flow kind of maybe even behind the scenes a bit? A bit? So it's been a, uh, it's been a group effort um, between uh, the new Delaware Valley division and uh, the um, Lehigh Valley division and uh, it's been it's definitely been a team effort to put everything together and to kind of get our ducks in a row. Um, the the existing you know sprinkler department couldn't have been better. Um, I was extremely impressed when I first started with meeting the guys and getting to know them, uh, getting to know the experience levels, uh, the certification levels. Um, I was genuinely blown away um, by that. Um, and those that aren't in the industry don't, I don't think always understand, but some of the certifications that we carry aren't the easiest to get. Um, they're not something that just anybody can stroll off the street and, and, and get. It takes a lot of dedication, a lot of time to, uh, to get the experience, to spend the time learning code, um, to, to accomplish those certifications, and to see the number of technicians out of the Lehigh Valley with those uh, was impressive to me uh, and let me really know that this is a company that's uh, driven to be the best um, and something I definitely want to be a part of. Um, so, you know, if uh, you're currently being serviced by a technician that's out of the Lehigh Valley, uh, in a lot of cases, you're still going to have that same technician. Um, actually, currently, I am borrowing two of the Lehigh Valley technicians just to kind of help get started as far as the manpower needs are concerned down Delaware Valley. Um, so, uh, and then the other two guys that I have currently down in the Delaware Valley are actually been trained through the, uh, Lehigh Valley, uh, technicians. So, um, right now it almost feels like one and the same, um, as far as the technicians, um, any technicians that are going to be taking over a customer, uh, we're making sure that a previous technician is there with them. And a lot of cases with some of our bigger customers, uh, we're going to leave the existing technician that's been taking care of those customers uh, on that customer so um, that it's just it's easier for everybody um, and we make sure the customer gets exactly what they need. Um, you know, this is something that you're focusing on for KOB. Derek, this is something that you've seen across the country in different pockets. What is an ERCS, as they call it, a BDA, a lot of acronyms? What are they and where are they installed? Give us that background, please. Sure. So basically what an uh, emergency responder communication enhancement systems is, it's an in-building in signal booster that's going to boost the radio signals from fire ground operations into the building to fill in dead spots, which used to exist before these systems were installed. It carries the signal down through the building to the emergency responders in the building. And then as they key their radios in the building, it carries it back up in a bi-directional manner. So it fills in dead spots and it ensures 100% reliable communications for first responders because lives depend upon it. Certainly. And this, that allows the first responders to talk amongst themselves within the building, as well as outside of the building to the fire ground chief, as you will, and then also back to the command station. 
certainly and that clear lines of communication are certainly key in emergency preparedness and in a fire emergency situation. Uh, Derek, what makes these systems so special overall, what they do, and then in particular, the solution that we offer in partnership with RSI and KOB? So again, assuring first responders have 100% communication, as Steve mentioned, with each other inside the building and with folks in fire ground operations and even police and EMS outside, it really gives first responders a better chance to meet the challenges of the emergency at hand without having to deal with lost communications during an emergency event. In fact, a 2017 uh, survey of the International Association of Fire Chiefs said 56% of first responders experienced a, a communication failure in an emergency in the last two years, and that's reprehensible. And so what we've done in, in, in 2017, uh, RSI worked with UL to form the UL 2524 standard. And what it does is it gives independent third-party validation that these systems do exactly what they're supposed to do the first time and every time, exactly as prescribed in the International Fire Code and the National Fire Protection Association, the Life Safety Codes. And that's what's really important that they have that third-party assurance that these systems work exactly as they're supposed to in the code. And that, that I think is, is the biggest benefit, what makes these systems special from Radio Solutions and Kistler O'Brien. Mm -hmm. uh, and to add to that, I mean, that's all of it, but Kistler O'Brien, we're our fire protection company. Yeah, and we're a smaller family type company. A lot of our employees are in the fire department or EMS. I know there's quite a few, and, you know, as far as special, a lot of us really take it to heart what we do and knowing that when we put a system like this into a building, that person, that employee, that family member is going to be walking into a safe building that they know they're going to walk out of again. And that's, that hits home. Very important We're protecting point, the, Steve. Those, those folks that run into the burning buildings and chase the bullets. That's mm -hmm. what's important. We're protecting those who protect us. Great points, guys. And, and Steve, we just heard Derek talk a lot about codes. He said international fire code, this code, that code. What about here in Pennsylvania? What is the status of the BDA systems here in the code? How long has that been? If, we're, if you're an individual, an official local municipality individual here in the state of Pennsylvania, what does this BDA system mean to them right now? It's, it's getting a little foothold. And, you know, we like to see it get a bigger foothold. The... Currently, PA is in the 2015 version of the IBC, and they don't really do a lot of changes to it except down Philly way. Um, so BDA is in the code. It's required by that code. We have been in this code for two, maybe almost three years. Now we have the lug. We have the, uh, I guess, possibly uniqueness of we cover multiple states across the river in New Jersey. Uh, they adopted 2015 sooner than PA did. And they're much tighter on the code for BDA systems. So over there, you can only, you can't get a CO of a building until you walk down this path. Evaluate your new building. Does it need a BDA? Does it not need a BDA? If it does, you have to put one in or you're not going to get a CO. You're not going to be able to put your people in the building. Here in PA, it's, we're starting to see it. Some of the local municipalities right around us are putting it in their codes. They're putting it in their permit packages and we've been seeing it, um, but we'd like to see it more. Like you said, uh, the, there's a lot of buildings being built and 
we're not seeing it in every specification package and we need to. Uh, but especially as the state progresses, we'll probably be looking at the 2008 code within the next year or two. I'm sorry, 2018. Uh, and it's just gonna be in there again and be a little bit more prevalent and have a few more requirements. Shifting gears a little bit, I, I know you talked a lot about prevention and a lot about uh, the education part of it thus far, and certainly something that both you do in your various capacities and we do here at Kistler O'Brien. But on the front lines in your decades of experience uh, in fighting fires, um, what are some of the common reasons for fires that you feel could have been avoided with some better education and prevention tips if the folks knew that ahead of time? You know, I, I think the biggest thing, if you could point to one thing, you know, and I thought about this, if you point to one thing that comes up a lot, it's complacency. It's, it's not going to happen to me. I don't need to worry about, I don't need to practice. You know, we, when we go to schools, we talk about getting out and staying out. We talked about, you know, having an exit drill in the home. You know, we tell the kids all the time, you know, you do a fire drill at school once a month. How often do you do a fire drill at home? I've never been to a fire at a school, but I've been to plenty of fires at people's houses. So if we practice this at school where the incident rate is really low, we should be practicing at home. So that complacency level of it's not going to happen to me. I think that's the biggest takeaway. That's the one thing that if there's a, a takeaway is to be ever vigilant, whether it be in your home, your workplace, whatever it is, you know, have a level of vigilance, you know, smoke detectors are so huge, you know, too far too often, you know, from the you know, professional side of things, you know, when we have fatalities from house fires, you know, smoke detectors are a huge component where they're just not in place or they weren't functioning or they weren't tested. You know, we just changed our clock. So everyone should change their batteries. So, you know, it's little things like that, that are so simple and we kind of take for granted, but taking the extra step and being vigilant, you know, can sometimes really make all the difference. Very good point. Both the daylight savings time timing. I was just about to mention that, how that time to change your, to check your batteries and change them and, and make sure your smoke detectors are, are working has, is here right now this month. And uh, secondly, great point on the amount of drills you do in school, but you're right. You hear more about house fires than you do school fires. Um, so that is showing just how important you need to be prepared anywhere you're gathering people, especially you're likely, especially today, at home more than you are at school and make sure you have an emergency plan, evacuation, um, and all those safety measures like the safety systems in place. So very good points on both of those topics. And I, I guess, you know, kind of a, a little bit for that, I, I asked for like the, the, the number one thing in that category. What's the, what do you think about the number one safety tip that you feel like you want to make sure anybody takes away from one of your programs, whether that's a church, a senior home, a school, or just maybe a, you know any troop or group that you're talking to, what is the number one thing if they can't take away anything else that they take home with them after listening to your education in your program? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I think the one biggest takeaway is the getting out and staying out. You know, far too often we see, you know, terribly tragic results where people are out and they go back in for pets or something like that. And while they're a valued member of your house, once you're out, you know, things, you know, the synthetics and things in the home and things can change so rapidly. A fire spreads so much quicker than it did 
you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that those conditions can be so, you know, so ever-changing that, you know, once you get out of the house, you need to stay out. Going back in is just a recipe for disaster. So that'll do it. Wow, those are some really good episodes. And once again, thank you to all of our guests who have come on the KOB podcast in 2021. And don't worry, folks, we have some great guests lined up for 2022. We hope you will join us for all of those episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search KOB Podcast and you can find us there. That'll do it for this month. We'll talk to you next year. For Kissler O'Brien Fire Protection, I'm Tyler Trumbauer.